today I want to talk to you about attitudes of a mature person. Say that with me, attitudes of a mature person. And we're going to do a little overview, a little survey of the book of James, because James really takes his time and really talks about mature growth, mature growth. Now, see if you agree with me. Without a doubt, without a doubt, probably the number one cause of problems in the world for all of us is immaturity, right? Immaturity. We get ourselves in all kinds of problems uh, financially, emotionally, in our relationships, in our parenting, in our job life, uh, in every area of our lives, we run into problems because we say and we do immature things. We make immature decisions and we act in immature ways that leads to a lot of uh, uh, problems that can be avoided. And in many ways, we grow old, but frankly, frankly, many people do not grow up. Do you, I mean, would you agree with that? So age has nothing to do with maturity, right? And God wants each and every one of his children to grow up. The Bible name for that is sanctification. Say that with me. Sanctification. It means you've been pulled out, called out from among them. Sanctification means that God accepts you the way you are, with all your flaws, with all your challenges, your mistakes, with all things that are part of your growing up. We are a product of our environment, product of our ancestors, product of our background. The things we see and we hear sticks on us. And so it becomes photostatic. We tend to copy those things. And when we come to God, God is saying, hey, for me to get you to where you need to go that are destined for your life, we're going to need to clean you up. We're going to need to unwind some things for your life. We're going to need to change you. Right? And so God will not bless you until you are agreeable to be changed by God. He's a holy and righteous and perfect God. And with him there is no unholiness in him. And so sanctification or, or maturity is a big deal. Look at how the Bible puts it in Hebrews 6 verse 1. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Here is Paul and the Apostle James who collaborated to write the book of Hebrews. Right, Speaking to us uh, from the heart of God. Uh, hear this. Let's read that together. It says what? Let us stop going over the same old ground again and again always teaching those first lessons about Christ let us what go on and become more mature in our understanding as what strong believers ought to be and says look you start off but don't stay there go on and become mature in your understanding in your ways in your choices in the things that you do don't just say, that's the way we do that. My family does this all the time. That's what everybody expects us to do. Here's the way they do it. Here's the way in this culture, in this day. So let's do the same. Say, no, 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 no. You got to move on. And that's what God is saying. Is that we've got to grow up emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and have that balanced Christian life so that we become the light in our world. We, we become the person in our home. 
It doesn't matter whether our spouses, our kids, our brothers, our sisters, they do those things. We stand out as the light that says, hey, this is what God wants to be, and I'm a representative of God, and I will not do that. On the job, we stand out as people of God who exemplify the way of God. We don't try to fit in. And, and, and that's, that's what God wants us to be. So God's will for every Christian is personal growth and maturity. And the book of James defines what maturity means. It defines what maturity means. You see, you cannot aim for something when you don't know what it is. Other than that, how do you know what you, when you have arrived? And so the Bible tells us that maturity is not age, how old you are, because we all know that, right? Sometimes the older we get, the more crazy things we do because we think we've arrived, right? Maturity has nothing to do with appearance. Maturity has nothing to do with achievement. You say, well, I've achieved a lot in life. Look at how far I've come, right, from the eyes of people. Therefore, what? I am matured. Maturity is not academics. You say, well, I went to school and I'm very smart, and this is what, what I want to do. It's got nothing to do with these things. In the eyes of God, what? God says maturity is determined by what? Attitude. One more time. Maturity is determined by what? Attitude. It's not age. You can be a Christian for 50 years and not be mature. <laughs> and God says it is your attitude that determines whether you are matured or not. And God wants us as children to grow up and have Christ-like attitudes so that he can use us and bless us the more. When God is looking for people to bless, who do you think he's looking for? People who are carelessly living lives or people who are, who are living lives according to God's will that he will use and bless. Amen. Dear Modi said this. He says, character is what you are in the dark. When no one is watching. When, you, when, when your pastor is not around, when your church members are not around, when you are by yourself with your folk, that's what character is. When you are all by yourself, no one's watching you and you, 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 you were making that choice. He says, that's what true character is. Recognition is what people say about you, but character is what God says about you. Now, it, I mean, when we define maturity, it's not comparing ourselves to others. It's so easy for us, oh, I'm not this. I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> I'm not a murderer. I've never been arrested before, right? <laughs> and so we, we try to pick somebody else, right? And we, we, we sort of peg ourselves to them. Maturity is not comparing ourselves with somebody else. Maturity is comparing ourselves to the word of God. What does God say about our life? What does God want us to do? So it's not about, oh, look at all these people who are doing crazy things. Look at all these people who are there. So I'm better than them. I'm better than them. No, 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 no. That's not a yardstick. Amen. It's about what God says. And in the book of James, it's a manual of maturity. The word mature uh, in Greek is the word Helios is translated complete, it's translated perfect, it's translated mature. And James uses this word five times in five chapters. And so we're going to look at those five times that James uses the word mature on how to be mature. Uh, in uh, how we can live lives of maturity so God can single us out to be able to bless us and use us. So the first is this. The first is this. What a mature person really would mean is what? Positive on the pressure and God's will for us is that we grow up so that when the pressure comes on we don't fall out but we stand 
positive when bad times come our way. Look at how James puts that in James 1, verse 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. Read out with me. Say what? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you see that word teleos in here again, mature and complete. And he says, how you handle trials is the test of your maturity. How you handle financial problems, relationship problems, health problems, job problems. How you handle problems that are uncontrollable, problems that you didn't even cause about us. How you handle that, how you respond to that is a test of your spiritual growth. How you react to problems. Do you blow away? Do you get uptight? Do you get negative? Do you get bitter? Do you grumble? Do you gripe? How do you handle problems? And, and, we, and, and, and God is saying Christianity is not a religion. It is a life. Christianity is what? A life. Jesus said, I have come that you will have life. And we know what life is. Life means problems. Problems are part of life. Solving problems, facing problems are part of life. And says, because Christianity is life and you're going to have problems, nobody said it that because you are Christian, you will never have marriage problems. You will never have parenting problems, financial problems, health problems, job problems, problems in general. God said, in this world, you will have problems. But it says, this is how your Christian maturity shows itself off. How you handle problems that God says do it with the right attitude. The same way you will do it when you are blessed, when you are feeling good, when good times come your way. Do it the same way. Be positive on the pressure. One more time. Be positive on the pressure. And an illustration is this, that as, as, as God's children, we ought to be like popcorn. Popcorn. Many people enjoy Popcorn. I love popcorn. <laughs> it's a, the smell, the wonderful aroma of popcorn really is good. But do you realize, do you realize that popcorn starts off as a hard kernel of corn? It becomes popcorn when it is subjected to intense heat. We're talking about 450 degree of heat. You got to put a lot of pressure on it for it to produce that great snack. It has to go through heat and pressure before it explodes into this great snack called popcorn. The light in you cannot be realized until the pressure is on. Because other than that, you and I are like everybody else. We are like everybody. You can tell the difference between an unbeliever and a believer. When times are good, when your car running great, when your bills are getting paid, when you're living in your home, there is no difference. The, the, the differentiator, the differentiator, like a hard kernel of corn, is when pressure is put on it. Will that corn become a sweet popcorn, or that corn is that going to burn up? And unbelievers crumble, unbelievers break, unbelievers get worse, unbelievers carry, they carry, they carry bitterness and unforgiveness, they carry sorrow, they carry, they carry grudges in your heart, they, they are down, down, even after the problem goes away, they are never the same, but God is saying as a child of God, you gotta be positive on the pressure.
And when we face those fiery furnaces, he says, you got to be passive. Why do you have to be passive? Because you are not alone. Jesus is there on your side. And while you are positive, you pour in your heart the joy of the Lord. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He will let you know that that is not the end of things. This is not, this is not the end of your story because something good will come up. You hang in there. <laughs> Exercise faith in me. Remember all the good things that I've done. Remember my promises that I hear in a man that has not been invalidated by your problems. And so we've got to be what? Positive under pressure. And that is a mark of Christian maturity. So what does God want me to do when the pressure is on? When the pressure is on, God says, I want you to bear down, bear down on your Christian ethics and be positive. Don't be nasty when the pressure is on in life. Don't get too irritated. Don't be negative. Basically become a supportive person. Don't become a skeptical person when bad times come your way. And sometimes you have people who the bad times are gone and all of a sudden they are skeptical. They, they, they just basically don't trust anybody. They don't trust their own shadow. They don't trust their spouse. Don't trust their kids. Don't trust the economy. Don't trust human beings. They don't even trust water that they drank. They just don't trust anything else. Says, no, 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 no. You say, you don't know what happened to me. 25 years ago, I had this matter. It happened to my friend, my brother, my sister. And so guess what? I don't trust these things. God said, no, 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 no. Be positive on the pressure. Be positive on the pressure. Let your life be filled with gratitude instead of grumbling. There are people today who are, they, they, a lot of good things are happening in their life, but guess what's happening? They are carrying the scars of yesteryear. You say, why are you so sad? Why are you so mad? You don't know what happened to me five years ago. But today, you are blessed. Today, life is good. Today, you are alive. Today, you are breathing. Today, the sun is shining on you. You don't recognize that? Oh, you don't know. You don't know what they said to me. When did they say that? <laughs> Be positive on the word. Pressure. Look at what James tells us. James tells us in James 1. James 1, 12. Amen. Look, had an overview of the book of James. Read that with me. It says what? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they receive the crown of life that God has promised to do to those who love him. <laughs> God wants you to be patiently enduring what pressure, testing, and temptations. Because God says he's going to give you a twofold blessing. One is he's going to bless you while you're going through those challenges. It will pass. It shall come to pass. But also there's going to be a reward in heaven, a great reward in heaven waiting for you. He calls it a crown of life that's going to give to you because you didn't bust the bubble. You didn't allow your problems to change your character. A mark of a mature person that God can use and bless is one who is what? Positive on the world. Pressure and God's will for us. God's will for us. Amen. In, in the character building, character development plan of God for your life is that you allow God to make you a better person in your season of hardship. In your season of hardship. Great lessons in life are not learned in good times. They are learned. They are absorbed in bad times. You become a better person during your difficult seasons. And so don't waste, don't waste your hard times. Don't waste the problems that you go through. So that's what God uses to make us like popcorn. To transform that hard nut into a popcorn. 
gold comes out of testing of pressure <laughs> amen and let god do that in your life amen oh a mature person is one who is positive under pressure or oh, secondly also how can we mature so we'll be used by god what a mature person is what sensitive to people one more time a mature person is what sensitive to people you see when we are immature we only see ourselves will you agree with that you say, I want this, I want this, I want this. It's all about I, 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 I. But a mature person is what's sensitive to other people. A mature person doesn't only see their needs. A mature person sees the needs of other people. A mature people understands their hurts. A mature people is not just interested in themselves. Look at how James tells us, James 2 verse 8. James 2 verse 8. He says what? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right says so you're not doing right when you're making it all about you on the job in your family in your marriage in the church when it's all about me 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 god say no 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 you're not doing right he said i'm doing right by me i'm taking care of myself god wants me to do that god said no wrong See, the wisdom of, of man, the wisdom of this world say, me, 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 me. God says, no, 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 no. The royal, the use of the royal means the higher law, the higher law, the greater law, the greater plan of God, the greater will of God, the greater purpose of God for your life is that what God uses you to be a blessing unto others. God uses you to show sympathy, empathy, love, understanding, uh, connection, relations with others. He says, he says, when you observe that, God loves you. He says, oh, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's somebody I can use and bless. So you say, Pastor Mike, you don't understand. People are mean. People are nasty. I don't like my neighbors. I don't like my church members. I don't like my, oh, I, I just don't like them, I, you know. I mean, they don't like me. I don't like them too. And so I just don't feel like, I don't feel like loving them. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christian, wrote, it says, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did, and soon you will find one of the great secrets when you are behaving as if you love somebody, you will presently come to love them. He says, start by thinking it's the right thing to do, and so what? I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to start liking you, and guess what? You will end up liking the person because there's something in us. God is a God of love, and his spirit in us is a spirit of love. And when we draw near to somebody, we will like them. We will like them, not, be, not because we want to, but because the Spirit of God draws us to people. And so don't feel, well, if I feel like liking them, then I will like them. He says, don't, don't, don't bother yourself. You know, I don't really like my neighbors. I don't really feel like saying hello to them. I don't really feel like reaching out to them. Oh, these people, I just don't feel like. He says, no, no, don't, don't wait for that feeling to come. Act like you love them. Do it because God says it's the right thing to do. If you love your neighbor as yourself, it is the right thing to do. And you are living the higher life. And when you start doing that in obedience to God's word, you're going to like them. You say, as for me, I just don't like children. Well, act like you like them and you're going to like them. Right? I don't like people who don't come from where I come from. Act like you like them and you will what? Like them. 
And that's what God has placed us in us. It's an act of obedience. And God says, if you do that, it's an act of maturity. You and I are somebody who God can use and help because this is a mean world. It's a dark world. It's a selfish world. And God is looking for people who can live unselfishly. People who can love beyond their comfort zone. Love beyond, man, I get along with guys, but I don't know. I can't get along with females. I get along with females, but I can't get along with guys. I can get along with young people, but I can't get along with old people. He says, just bring that barrier down. And you act like you like them. Because God wants you to do that. And he sent you here to use you to fulfill his purpose. And guess what? You're going to like them. Right? You're going to like them. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, look at what James tells us in this portion of scripture in James 2, 1 to 4. He says, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? How can you say that you have faith in God? How can you say that you are connected with God? How can you say you're a child of God when everyone is God's creation? Everyone is God's creation. But you, have, you favor one person versus the other. For example, he says, he gives us this example. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes. For you, it's all about appearance. <laughs> and expensive jewelry. Another that comes who is poor, right? It's all about class to you. So one is all about what? <laughs> Appearance, the other, oh, oh, look at this, the doctor, look, look at this, the Lord, look at this, the pastor, look what it is, it is. Another comes in who is poor, dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can, you, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. <laughs> There's no seat for you. All these chairs are for people who are VIPs. We don't have any chair for you. You can sit right on the floor. Imagine that. Imagine that. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by what? Evil motives. God is saying, listen, you are out there thinking that you are not a drug dealer, you are not a bank robber, but you are evil. Right? God doesn't discriminate between wrongs. There is no class A wrong and there's no class B wrong. Wrong is wrong no matter what it is. And so God says, hey, hey, that is evil. That is really evil. Somebody came to him, you gave him a nice china glass, but that other person came to him, you gave him a disposable cup. He says, that's evil. That is not love. And he says, a mature person is sensitive to people. You should even be the reverse. The people who are down on their luck in life, you should even be more nicer to them. Be more, be more outgiven. Be more outgoing. They are carrying a heavy load on their back. You've got to do everything you can to be able to lessen the load for them by showing them love and generosity. Hey Amen. James says, don't show favoritism. Don't be a snob. Don't look down on people. Don't judge by appearance. Don't exploit people based on their position or their class. The third mark of maturity is this, that a mature person has what? Control over their mouth. Right? Control over their mouth. <laughs> James had something to say about that, right? He has wisdom. See if you agree with Apostle James. Look at James 3.2. He says, what? Well, all of us... Do many what, wrong things. One more time. All of us do many wrong things. Right? You say, no, I, I am perfect. <laughs> the Bible tells you that you're not. <laughs> Quit lying to yourself. All of us do what? Many wrong things. <laughs> in, other words, no, in other words, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You've heard me say it over and over again. I'm not shy about that. I'm not perfect. All of us do many wrong things. 
But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. And God is saying, there's one area that if you have control over that, you can really get ahead in life. It is what your tongue, what comes out of your mouth. He said, you may not control a lot of areas in your life, your job, your finances, your family, your marriage, and so forth, but it starts with what? Your words. You have a little bit more control. Things will go a little bit easier for you in your parenting with your kids, in your relationship with your spouse, on the job with your customers, right? In your financial life, in the way you interact in life, things will go easy. Your mouth affects every area of your life, financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, mentally, and what? Vocationally and generationally. Because the things you say, what? The people around you pick it up. Pick it up. Amen. So it says if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your own body. Now, isn't that true also in the healthcare area? Some of you work in the healthcare area, right? One of the first things a doctor will say when you go for a checkup is what? Stick out your tongue, right? They're looking into your mouth. What are you looking in your mouth for? Because your mouth can tell you about your health. <laughs> your health. And God does that also. He says your spiritual health, your emotional health, your mental health has a lot to do with what? Your mouth and god in essence is saying this read out with me says what self-control comes from what tongue control not everything that comes in your head should come out of your mouth you see i just thought about it there are a million things that you're going to be thinking about about people about things <laughs> about any situation but the fact that you thought about it doesn't mean it has to come out of your mouth. And God is saying what? We ought to what? You say, well, God created me this way. That's the way I was created. No, no, you weren't created that way. The God who created you says what? Control your tongue. He says if you want to be mature, what? You should be able to what? Control your tongue to control your whole body. You say, that's the way I was. I, that, that's, you know, I, that's the way I was made. God accepts us the way we are, but he doesn't what? Leave us the way we are. So self-control comes from what? Tongue control. And we get ourselves so much into trouble <laughs> when we say what we think. There's nothing wrong with thinking things. I have, I have a very over, overactive mind. My mind is always, always going. Things are popping into my mind all the time. Some of you are like that also. Very overactive mind. But does it mean that you should say everything that comes out of your mouth? And James gives us several illustrations here. I don't have time to read that, but let me tell you what it is. James gives us several illustrations here. In James 3, verse 3, 11, James says that our tongue is like a ship rudder. Our tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. Our tongue is like a spark of fire, a spark of fiber. We know what happens if it gets out of hand. It will burn the whole house, burn the whole city. He says our tongue is like a snake. It looks very harmless, but guess what? Don't play with that. It can harm you. He says our tongue is like a spring of water, fountain of water. It can look very cool, but that water, when it goes out of control, can cause a lot of damage. And he uses this scripture to say this is what it is. He says that, he says what? We put a little bit in a horse's mouth, and that little bit can control the direction of the horse. He has a horse, thousands of pounds, very, very hefty. The horse can run all over the place, but what? You can control by putting a little bit in its mouth. And what moving that bit around to turn to the left and right, and that and that bit will control the horse. Our tongue, he says, is like a little rudder. A rudder is the steer of a ship. Here is a, a an ocean liner. That is huge. And it gets controlled by a little bit, little bit rudder, little steer to move it 
to be able to turn, turn away that control the direction of a boat or a ship. Since our tongue is like a tiny spark, I talked about it. Little piece of fire, right? It can warm a food or it can burn a whole house. So your tongue by size is very insignificant, but it controls your whole life. Why is that? Because what you say directs your life. Your mouth can get you hired or can get you what? Fired. <laughs> your mouth can either build your life or it can what? Destroy your life. Your mouth can delight people's life. What you say, oh, what my brother, my sister, my friend, my church member, my neighbor said, it brings joy to my heart. Or your mouth can discourage and destroy a person's life. Do you believe that? It can be your mouth, your tongue, your words can be a powerful force for good or a force for evil. You can even uplift people or you can use it to curse people. There are people today where somebody has said things to them and they may have been dead and gone and they are still remembering it. Either good that encourages them or move them forward or something that's evil that they are afraid. Oh, somebody said, you're going to be like this and they've never, they've never, they can shake it off. They can shake it off. Have you ever heard anyone say that I can say what's on my mind? <laughs> and they are proud of, as for me, I just say what's on my mind. <laughs> God is saying, whatever is on your mind, there are some things that doesn't need to be said. And the Bible says this, that frankness, frankness is immaturity. He says, I, I say everything that I think. I say everything that comes over my mind. Frankness is not, is immaturity. A lot of people just need a large dose of tactfulness. He says, yes, you got to attack tact to frankness. Tact to, not everything that needs to be said. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at what uh, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us, Ephesians 4:29. He says, well, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. One more time. Let everything you say be what good and helpful. One more time. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Everything you say. If you don't get it right, try again. <laughs> if you go back and you realize that I didn't say it right before the day ends or next day when the Holy Spirit reminds you, call them back, text them to say, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant to say. But everything you say, work hard to let it be good and helpful so that your words will what? Be an encouragement to people. You say, I'm older than them, so I told them what I need to tell them. You've ruined that life. You've messed that life. And James said, everything you say. In other words, we ought to watch what we say. And a mark of maturity is that we're very careful. We're very careful with what we say to people. I, I'm speaking to myself too. And when we speak, we shouldn't say words to just promote ourselves. Rather, it says, it's not what you think or what you want to say or what feels good to you. It says, so that your words will be an encouragement to them. Let it be about them, not you. I was mad, so I, 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 I have to get it off my chest. No, not, it's not you. He says, let it be directed to them. Is it going to encourage them? Is it going to bless them? Is, I, I, is your mouth the mouth of God to be able to speak life into that life? Not getting something off your chest. 
Get off your chest to Almighty God. Tell God how mad you are, how frustrated you are, how, how, how you hate these people, how you don't want to be with them anymore. How you, you, do, you feel like you're not talking to them. Go to God with all that animosity, all that heat. God can take it and God can manage it and turn you back around so that you are positive on the pressure. Oh, look at what James tells us on that note. Look at James 1.26. James 1.26. <laughs> it says, if you think you are being religious but can't control your tongue, what are you? You are what? Fooling yourself and everything you do is what? Useless. It's what? Useless. It says, if you've been to every Bible study, heard every sermon from every prophet, every apostle, every great pastor that is, you say, I listened to this, I went to this conference, I read this book, I, I, I've, I've, I've studied the Bible, I've gone through all this, and it says, and you, and you never, and, 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 and you are a gossip, God is saying, your religion is what? If you spread rumors that are hurtful, to bring shame and disgrace to others, it says your religion is worth. If you can control your tongue by saying things that are not always accurate, things that exaggerate, things that speak impulsively, your religion is what? Useless. And God is saying the test of maturity is how you manage your mouth so that no corrupt communication or negative talk comes out of your mouth. So what should we do? It says, how can we guide what we say? God makes it, helps us understand this. It says, here's what you've got to do. Speaking the truth will what? Love. We will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. How do we grow up? Into, how do we grow up? It says, speak the truth with love. How many of you know that when... Your actions, your attitude is motivated by love. It helps what you say. When you love somebody, what you say, you, 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 you couch your words. Even if you're trying to help them. Even if you know something they're doing is wrong. What you say, it's not what you say, but how you say it because you are moved by love. See, this is the, this is the secret. Yes, it says speak the truth to people when you, are reacting with your, when you are reacting to your wife, your spouse, your boss, your neighbors, your friends, your church members. When you have to tell them difficult things, it says what? Let it be motivated by love. Because it's not what you say, but how you say it. You can tell somebody, come here, and it will be positive, and tell somebody, come here, and it will be what? Abusive and negative. You can tell somebody to, I want this now, right? And you can say it, what? Positively, and you can say it, what? Negative. In a very snobbish, you say, well, I, 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 what's wrong with those words? It's not what's wrong with the words, but it's how it said it. You didn't say it with love. Hello! <laughs> oh, I'm preaching to myself. Oh. I need to hear this stuff. Because God's not going to use you to extend. He wants to use you until you grow up many times. Right? You remember the, the message from yesterday? God says that God has planned something big for you. But he'll do it slowly, steadily, surely. We can move that slowly, very, very close to immediately. 
with the right attitude and God knows we are ready God will not withhold any good thing from those who, 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 who love him God will steadily quickly immediately miraculously wonderfully rain blessing upon your life when he knows that you are ready for your elevation you are ready amen for your growth and development speaking the truth with love we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head your promotion is going to come through this message, speaking the truth with love. The next job that you're going to have, glory to God, it will come based on the way you communicate, the way you talk to people, the way you come across. So when we tell the truth, here's a little acronym here to be able to help all of us. The word temp, 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 it says control. And the word for control is temp it down, T-A-M-P, temp it down. Here's, here's the acronym for temp. Help me with that. Right timing, right attitude, right motive, and right place. So when we have to speak the truth, there has to be the right timing with that. If somebody is already mad and upset and we want to tell them something, we want to give them some hard information, what are we doing? We are throwing crazy off. Already they are mad, already they are angry, they are balled up, already they are emotional. What somebody has done to them is just, they, they can't take it anymore. And all you have to do is say, you were wrong. <laughs> And you say that in a very, I'm just telling you the truth. You, you just, you, you, you are crazy. You, you, yes, yes, you are, you are throwing salt into injury. So what, to speak the truth in love, sometimes we have to what? There's got to be the right timing. There also has to be the right attitude, right? We can fight fire with fire. If a child, as parents, we know that when a child is nervous, a child is angry, a child is crying, a child is looking like, oh my gosh, there's a lion coming, there's a spider, I'm afraid of these people. What do you do? You yell at them? You say, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And guess what? You, they, what? you, you're throwing things from what? Frying pan to where? So there's got to be what? The right attitude. When a customer is out there, very mad. They're not mad at you. You're not Mr. Company. They are mad at something that was that didn't work right with them. So you what? You throw water on fire. I am sorry you feel that way. You're not saying I'm sorry that I I I, I did it to you. What do we say when somebody says I'm sick? We say I'm sorry. Are we the ones who caused the illness? No, we are sorry that you feel bad. We are sorry that you 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 you're not right. We are sorry that your dog died. We are sorry that you have a funeral at home. And so attitude means a lot when we are speaking the truth to people. Also, what about the motive? If our motive is that I'm trying to pin you down, people see through that. People are really smart. You know we are faking it. <laughs> Right? <laughs> so when the, when the motive isn't right, it's also not going to convey the kind of love that God wants us to speak the truth in love. Also what? We got to, the place. The place. <laughs> Amen. The place. Do we correct adults in public or in private? So we compliment, we compliment people in public. Oh, sister so-and-so, oh, I like your dress looks nice. Your hair looks wonderful. You are taking good care of yourself. Your skin looks really, really nice. You compliment people in public. But if you're trying to complain, if you have something that an opportunity for growth, you do that what? Privately. 
He says he wants his children to grow up high. Why? By being positive on the pressure. Number two, God wants you to be sensitive to people. Three, he says, control your mouth. Let me end with this note. He says, a mature person that God can use and bless, James teaches us, is what? Is what? Is a peacemaker, not a what? A troublemaker. How many of you know that God cannot use troublemakers? The devil uses troublemakers. God uses peacemakers. Because the devil is the author of confusion. The devil is the divider. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. God is the uniter. God is in the reconciliation business. He's re reconciling us to himself and reconciling him to others. And he wants people who are peacemakers. He says, I will bless those who are peacemakers for they will inherit the earth. I'll use them for do greater things. And so God wants us to be a peacemaker and a mature person. A peace we don't grow up becoming peacemakers. We grow up fighting for ourselves. I got to fight for me. I got to fight for me, me, me. And God is saying, hey, do you like to argue? <laughs> Are you a contentious person? Do you have a, a, a thin skin where you easily get so defensive easily? Are your feelings easily hurt? It says, if you are, then you are prone to be a troublemaker instead of being a peacemaker. Because the enemy will ruffle your feathers. This is a cruel world. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to say nice things about you. And so, therefore, God wants you. A mark of maturity is that you can let things go. Let it go. And there are two reasons why. There, there are two key reasons why we tend to be troublemakers and not peacemakers. We tend to be in a place where we like conflict instead of a loving unity and reconciliation. It is the attitude of selfishness and the attitude of loving of judging others. Selfishness and, and judging others. Look at what the Bible says. It says, look at James is speaking, James 4, 2 to 3. He says, You want something you don't have, and you will do anything to get it. You won't get it by fighting and arguing. You should pray for it. Yet even when you do pray, your prayers are not answered because you pray just for what? Selfish reasons. And so you can put a line from selfish reasons to fighting and arguing. You see? Selfishness breeds fight. I want me. This is for me. I won't give it to you. I want to keep it. If I give it to you, I won't have it. He said that selfish attitude will not make you a peacemaker. It won't make glory. Hello. When you always want what you want for yourself, you, you're going to have conflict with somebody. Because the first cause of conflict is what selfishness. Most of the reasons why there are conflict in marriages on the job among parents is all selfishness. This is what a child wants for themselves. They don't want their parents to get involved and in that their parents know about it and so therefore there's conflict. This is what a husband is doing. They don't want their wife to see it and they will be a part of it and so what? That's what selfishness will be what conflict and vice versa. So selfishness is the root cause, one of the root causes of what? Conflict. Secondly, also what judging others is the root cause of what? Because when you judge somebody, what people are going to judge you? And James tells us that 4, 11 to 12, it says, don't speak evil against others, right? Don't do that. Amen. Don't speak evil against, read the amazing portion of scripture. It says what? If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What right do you have? He says, don't be guilty of judgmentalism. 
Sometimes people feel like when they blame others, they feel good about themselves. You know, you open the door for more people to blame you too. Because you do unto others what you want others to do unto them. You do good to others, others will do good to you. You do evil and you judge others. People are going to judge. People are glory to God. When you speak good of people, either in front of them or behind them, people will speak good of you in front of you or behind you. You say, why does people say mean things about me all the time? The reason is perhaps you are speaking mean of other people behind their back. Right? <laughs> A mature person, God says, a man is one who is positive under pressure, who is sensitive to other people. A mature person is one who controls their mouth. A mature person is a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. A troublemaker. Let me give you one more pray. James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us a mature person is what? Patient and what? Prayerful. Patient and prayerful. Look at what it tells us. James 5. Mm -hmm. 7 and 8. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for what? A valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Then he tells us in verse 16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces what? Wonderful results patience and prayer a mature person is what they, 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 patient and prayer they are brothers they are sisters they work like hand and glove and God says we've got to be patient and prayerful patient and prayerful what you can't handle take it easy don't get overheated bring God in the picture that's what a mature person is I can't handle it but I'm not going to worry about it because worrying makes things worse Worrying doesn't make things better, but prayer makes things better. Prayer takes the heat of prayer takes the load of prayer, amen, absorbs you of, of the of the pressure of the condition that you are in. And it helps you wait on God for God to make a way where there is no way. James uses patience four times and prayer seven times and it says this is a mark of a patient person. Be patient during a life situation and be prayerful. Be prayerful. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. And uh, God will bless you. God will take you places you've never been. Great and awesome things will happen to your life beyond what you can do for yourself. So God is looking for people to use and to bless. He's in the sanctification business. He's in the transformation business. He says, see us what I'm doing in your life. And so be mindful of that. Don't fight the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is working to make us positive on the pressure. And so be open, be agreeable to that. And let him win you. Let him change you. Let him transform you. Let him make you a stronger person lacking no good thing. The Holy Spirit is working to make you sensitive to other people so God can use you as his hand, his voice, his feet, an extension of his grace so that he can bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. The Holy Spirit is working in you to cause you to control your mouth so that the words that come out of your mouth are words that are encouraging and uplifting and not words that put people down and God is in the peacemaking business and God is molding you and changing you and transforming you to be a peacemaker in this evil world rather than becoming a troublemaker that the enemy uses to cause problems in the lives of people 
God, when you are agreeable to God, when you are in this place where you are obedient, when you are in this space, oh my Lord, where you say, God, do as you will in my life, and you allow God to transform you, the end result of your life will be a changed person, a vessel, a tool that God can use to uplift your life and to bring glory to his name. May the Lord bless you as you stand with him in this transformation process that he seeks to do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you rise and let's, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I want to be used by you. And so this is my life. Take it. Break me. Mold me. Fill me. And then use me as your agent to fulfill your purpose. We are looking for people to use and to bless. Call my name. Elevate me. So that for the rest of my life, my life brings glory to you and blessing to me and many others. Thank you for choosing me. Let your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now, my brother and my sister, if you've not received Christ as your Savior, oh, why wait? Do it now. Every time we get together as a, as, as a favor life family, oh, a great opportunity to recommit our life to God. And so perhaps this is the first time or a time of recommitment. Why don't you ask God to be your Lord and Savior? You see, as many as received and believed in him, Jesus said he gave them the power to become children of God. Receive this right that is only available the people of God by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Pray with me uh, and commit or recommit your life to Christ. Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I need you now in my life. And so come and dominate my life. Govern my ways. Take control of every situation. Jesus, I thank you for your blood that you shed as a payment for my son. I receive your life for my life. Thank you for saving me. From here on, live in me. From here on, let your glory shine in me. From here on, use my life all for your glory. And on the day when I close my eyes to this world, Jesus, in heaven where you are, is where I want to be. So come and take me to be with you in paradise forever. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen.